On the bunker today, we're talking to Lars Jude Nielsen. Uh, Lars is a Danish guy living in Prague. Uh, I came across him when he was advertising his free diving courses. So he's teaching people how to dive without equipment um, himself. He's certified to dive down to 30 meters. And uh, he told me a lot about this. But it turns out that Lars has an interesting story. He wanted to be in the military back in Denmark, but um, some health issues uh, prevented that and his life took a very uh, different turn. He ended up in Poland as a 23-year-old working for a big retail chain um, and then from there to Prague, um, where he met his ex-wife, uh, had kids, and then moved to Denmark, back to Prague. He's done a little bit of a lot of different things, but uh, the interesting thing about him is that he really likes when things are following some sort of a system um, protocol, and that's why he wanted to be a pilot. Uh, he likes that about the diving, that you follow a certain protocol, and in his business, that has been kind of what he, of the skill that he applies. Uh, interesting guy, interesting story, and uh, yeah, I learned a lot about the um, <laughs> carpets and free diving, and yeah, um, talked a little bit about the difference between Denmark and and, um, um, and, and the Czech Republic and Poland and that, this region. And uh, yeah, Lars also had a, actually twice, a weight loss journey, which is an interesting thing. Um, so yeah, good good stuff. Uh, the sponsors, guys, that's Alfred Jobs, Alfred.cz, available in the App Store. Alfred Jobs, you can set up a profile, you can monitor certain type of jobs, and you get notified whenever a job that is, according to your preferences, is available. So uh, you never miss a job. You can even still be in your awfully shitty job and looking for a new one without anybody knowing it, because in Alfred, you're completely private. Um, available in Czech, Slovak, and English, and soon, yeah, in Russian as well. Um, and um, then it's the old bar, the old bar Prague, a great place, a new location in Seifertova 21 in Shishkov. It's close to Churchill Square, uh, where there's a big, beautiful statue of, of Churchill. Uh, the old bar has um, amazing old meals and uh, skier, uh, organic skier from a local farm uh, made to a recipe from the old bar. Only place in Prague or in, in the world probably where that skier is available. Um, Tasty, healthy goodies, uh, juice, coffee, uh, available for coming and sitting. It's a beautiful new place, uh, bigger, better, stronger. And um, also on delivery on Walt and Bolt. Um, so, yeah, guys, check that out. It's a, it's a good place. Enjoy. Welcome to the bunker, Lars Jude Nielsen. How are you? Thank you very much. I'm perfect. It's yeah. nice weather, so... <laughs> yeah, we're sitting here, two Scandinavians in a 30 degrees yeah. melting pot. Two Scandinavian Vikings in 33 degrees <laughs> in the middle of Prague. Yeah, it's horrible. <laughs> it's horrible. I, yeah. I, how does this affect you? Do you sleep in this heat? Uh, yeah, because we uh, we live in an old building, mm. and it is actually uh, we have to still have the heating running. Really? It's very, very cold. Uh -huh. So uh, we have no problem sleeping. <laughs> uh -huh. Yeah, because it, it's when it gets like this here, because of the hu it's all humid in Prague, you know. Yeah, but I'm used to more humidity from Denmark. Yeah? Yeah, it's so humid in Denmark because of the coast climate. Uh -huh. And now you gave it away, so you're Danish. I'm Danish. <laughs> and uh, I, uh, 
I saw a post from you on 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 Facebook, uh, and uh, I was curious because there was something about free diving, and and um, and I didn't really know anything what free diving is. So I wanted to um, bring that to my listeners to yeah. to to let them know a little bit about what free diving is. And then I, when I started talking to you, reached out to you, I turned out there is more stuff and an interesting career, interesting plans okay, yeah, that yeah. that changed mm-hmm. and. Um, and you know, yeah, some yeah, very interesting things that you've done. Um, but what are you? What 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 is Lars? Well, uh, I am uh, I'm from Odense in Denmark. Mm. It's the home city of the famous writer Hans Christian Andersen. Yeah, um, I did, didn't live there very long when we moved to another place of Denmark in the south, and um, I lived there my whole young life until I was 18, 19, finishing mm. business school. Mm. So, um, how, I, how, I, how was Odense? I mean, how, how, how? Well, Odense, I just know like uh, coming there as a young uh, man with a train or, uh-huh. or with my car when I got driver's license. It's, it's, a, it's a small city actually yeah. compared to anything what we know here in Czech Republic or Copenhagen or something. It's a small city even though it has 300,000 uh, inhabitants. Yeah. And, uh, and, and it's on this island, this uh, Fynen. Yeah, uh, it's the, on the middle island. If you look on a map, there are, there are many islands in Denmark, but yeah. uh, especially three are coming out, and it's in the middle one, yeah. in the south. And uh, you say, how do you say Odense in, uh, when you're Danish? Odense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a really difficult word to yeah, pronounce. You it know? is. Uh, it's very flat. Yeah, and um, it's even more worse when I say it because of the dialect on our island. Uh-huh. It's, it is very flat, and people say country style most almost. Uh-huh. So is that what they call in Copenhagen? They say Bonero. Uh, yeah, Bonero. Yeah. yeah, farmer. Farmer. <laughs> yeah. Farmer dialect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we say a small joke about this island, even though it is actually a hundred kilometers on each side. Mm. Um, if people ask what is Fyn. Uh, they say it's a small bump when you drive from Copenhagen to the bigger island. (laughs) (laughs) You will feel a small bump. That's fun. Yeah. And so, and and you move from there to to which city or town? Um, I have been living mostly in the south uh, near a a a city called Svendborg. Yeah. Um, It's an ocean city Mm -hmm. uh, and it's a very beautiful area. It's a top five area of Denmark because Mm -hmm. of the nature. Uh, beautiful nature created by the ice time. Uh, the north part of Denmark is quite flat, and the north part of our island is very flat. Mm-hmm. And uh, where we live in the south, it is uh, hilly uh, because the ice stopped there, and uh-huh. all the all the earth and the rocks and everything stayed there. So it's it's uh, hilly and with a lot of forest, and it's very beautiful area. Is it similar to to that island? This um, what's the name of the island out there in the ocean that that is uh, half Swedish somehow? Uh, the Bornholm? Uh, yeah. Uh, no, Bornholm is more rocky. Uh-huh. It's uh, more like Sweden, uh, Bornholm, but it's it's under Denmark. Uh, but it is, nature-wise, it's more similar to, to the area around Stockholm and all uh-huh. this. Yeah. Okay. Um, and uh, <coughs> big family, siblings? Uh, I have uh, one smaller brother. Uh-huh. Uh, he's two years younger than me. Okay. Uh, and he now lives in Halifax in Canada. Okay. He also had... Uh, Quite a travel around the world. Okay. So, so my parents, uh, they are not too satisfied with us. <laughs> uh, nobody is living at home. Nobody is living at home. All all the grandchildren are living abroad. So. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so. um, but you, 
you told me we were chatting earlier and you told me that you had some um, your your ambition was to to become uh, uh, in the military you wanted to be in the military right yeah I, I thought the the best way uh, for me uh, to get uh, to where I wanted which was uh, originally a, a pilot mm-hmm. uh, not a not a fighter pilot but that was the the easiest and cheapest way to get the the certificate for for pilot. Uh-huh. Uh, so uh, I analyzed how I could do this, and uh, I got all the the language and the mathematics on my business school. Mm. And then you can say uh, the business part of the business school was like a, f- uh, a drop back security. Mm-hmm. Uh, it I didn't need it for that direction, but in case it didn't work out, I would have something concretely to continue on. Yeah, and why did you want to go and be a pilot? Was there something in your family or childhood uh, or something? No, or no, it was. It was. I was fascinated. Uh, f- first of all, I, I'm fascinated about the airplane as such, uh-huh. and still enjoy watching it. But for me, it was the work that it has to be taken very seriously. Uh, mm-hmm. Nobody will blame you if you do exactly the same. By the book. Yeah. By the book. Yeah. Um, I like responsibility, mm-hmm. um, and then I just thought that it was. Um, that it was uh, interesting to be able to travel the world like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if that's true for a pilot, uh, or they just sleep all the time when yeah. they come. So, <laughs> yeah. but that was uh, that was my objectives at that time. So there was no pilot in the, your father wasn't no. a pilot or anything like no, that. No, I have absolutely no reference to anything. And what uh, did they do? Your 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 family? What were they? Uh, my my mother worked uh, when I was a child. Uh, she worked in my father's company, mm-hmm. uh, helping him with some bookkeeping. And my father were building houses uh-huh. in his own company. Okay, he had a small uh, small company that grew a little bit, uh, and then uh, uh, it stopped. And we we actually moved to a small farm and started be farmers. Oh, that's <laughs> so, nice. Yeah, with all kinds of animals and taking care of that, making two three hundred bulls a year for uh-huh. for the supermarkets. Uh, so. That's great. So, that. you, so you made beef. We made beef. Uh-huh. Yeah. Because in Denmark, it's it's at least on 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 Jutland, it's more more pork. Yeah, there are some big farms. Yeah. There are really some big farms. Yeah. Uh, but it was a fashion that came uh, in those, in, I believe, it must be the nineties. Something called uh, light, low fat beef. Yeah. Young 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 bull yeah. beef. Yeah. So the bull would not even be one year old. Uh huh. And uh, that meat was very, very delicious. Uh-huh. Uh, so it was a very special kind of farming where the animals were running around freely oh, nice. in big boxes. Uh, it was on the roof, but there were no walls. Uh-huh. So they would all the time be like in free air. Oh, that's and, great. Uh, so that was nice. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so military... Yeah, then uh, I, I volunteered uh, in the draft mm-hmm. uh, uh, to get to the normal uh, military session, which was in the, at that time, I think, eight months. Mm. And uh, I would then directly from that continue in whatever direction was needed. Mm. Um, because I was actually also fascinated with underwater uh, scuba diver as a working profession, doing work in the depth Mm. welding, uh, screwing something from something metal or whatever Uh, that also fascinated me because it's some of the same objective with concentration, with uh, responsibility at least for yourself or the partners with you so, um, so you're following a checklist somehow this is what you do, this is how you do it this is what you check before 
So you I, like I, these kind of things? I like the systems. Uh-huh. I like the systems. Uh, it's getting more loose when I get older, but yeah. it was definitely a little bit manic when I was younger. Uh-huh. And and so so either military had two options or, or could yeah. have been two options. Could have been two options, yeah. That was flying or yeah. diving? Yeah, and uh, you can say my luck and what, what made the change why I didn't go that way is that uh, when I was drafting for military, it was uh, 14 months before I should actually go there. So I still had one year of business school to finish. Mm. Um, so at that time, I did not know anything else than that. And um, at that time, I was actually doing gymnastic in the second division of Denmark training three, four times a week, 20 hours a week or something like that. And uh, after the summer holiday, I noticed that I could, uh, I had to drop out after five, ten minutes of warm-up. Mm-hmm. Coming back from summer holidays, I, I couldn't move. There was something wrong in my back. So, uh, and I was still in my uh, ending of, um, of growing up. Um, my body was not, Developed. I'm at this time. I must have been 18, 19. So uh, something was changing, and um, it got worse and worse and worse. Uh, bigger pains, and uh, I couldn't. I couldn't put on my shoes without pain. So I knew something was wrong, and I had a, a doctor to look at it. And uh, it turns out that there was something. Uh, yeah, let's not get too technical, but so, there was something missing in my spine. Mm-hmm. So it was rubbing the nerves. And immediately when the military uh, knew this, mm. uh, they say uh, right away, you are welcome here, you can do this with this, but you get no insurance. Mm-hmm. We cannot insure you. And then uh, then it, it, signed, it kind of dropped a little bit from that. Mm. So, um, But you wouldn't, I mean, would you have been able to do it anyway with all the pain or...? or, or uh, I think no. no. I think no, because uh, remember, I did 20 hours of gymnastic. Mm. I was watching my dad's farm because he he was in bed for one year after a traffic accident. Mm-hmm. So I was watching the farm every morning, every evening with my mother, 300 animals. I was working and doing sport like a maniac without pain. And mm-hmm. after the summer holiday, I couldn't move. And nothing happened on that holiday. No. There was no incident no, no, or no, no. It was just uh, it was just my my growing up ending. Mm-hmm. You can mm-hmm. say something happened there in my. Yeah. So I think got dislocated somehow or or. Yeah, just uh, puberty ended. Yeah. So I stopped growing or something. I don't mm-hmm. know. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm not that tall anyway. So. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, so so this means that you you can't follow this this yeah. plan. I mean, you yeah. you you can't get into the military, or you don't want to go with this condition. Yeah, with this condition, I I, I couldn't do this. Mm. Uh, How so, did that feel? Um. Well, keep in mind that I had one year in business school. The, the last year, uh, where it is, uh, many other things become interesting also. So, I was not hugely disappointed. Uh, what I was most most dif- uh, disappointed about was that it took me so long to realize. Mm. Because uh, in Denmark, if you want to start a new job, like uh, get your certificate, like like something, uh, one, two, three years, it is mostly beginning on the first of July or the first of August. And I was supposed to be in the military first uh, of October. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize that I wouldn't go until one week before first of October. Mm-hmm. So it means all these uh, you missed all the other jobs educations. Yeah. They were they were they were gone. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, it was some law. If they take me after, they have to pay me immediately five weeks of holiday paid. Uh-huh. But if they take me at this time, they don't have that obligation. Yeah, yeah. So nobody will take you. Yeah. So uh, one week before going to military, I had uh, no future professionally. Mm. Uh, and, and from that, I, I needed to find something to do mm. until next summer, meaning some 10 months or something. Mm. So I just looked around, see what I could do, uh, find different kind of work, did, did various things. I have been working since I was 10 all the time, so uh, it wasn't too difficult. But at this point, I wanted something more adult, uh, full-time. Mm. So I was looking for some kind of driving uh, job where I could deliver stuff. And, um, and um, I came into this one shop, uh, let's call it in English Carpet World. Mm-hmm. In Danish, it's Teppeland. Mm. In Germany, it's called... Uh, um, Top Wert, yeah. it was called that is in in uh, whole Benelux, France uh-huh. and uh, Luxembourg. And I see uh, a girl uh, which I was uh, familiar with from a business school, mm. and I haven't seen her a long time. And uh, I was so surprised to see her in that kind of shop mm. because uh, carpets and floors it's rather boring. Yeah. Uh, but uh, she advertised for this job quite heavily uh, with some fantastic. Uh, points why mm. this job is is very very good mm. and i was immediately convinced immediately and not knew. just because she was good looking or something and and not it, it paid of course some, some yeah. <laughs> something also but uh it was mostly what she said i yeah. can say honestly um and and uh, i applied and uh, luckily i got the job but it was now in i think after the process it was some six seven months i i should wait mm. for this job mm-hmm so I did. I did. Uh, I did some other jobs in the meanwhile. Mm. And, w- and so you you get into this uh, carpet world and yeah. and uh, and uh, was that like? Uh, no, I found the I mean, system. What, what, yeah, yeah, what was it? Yeah, you found uh, the system there as well. Like, yes, yeah. exactly. Uh, because it it sounds strange uh, because the carpet and the floors it's maybe boring. It's just the product, mm. but the people coming in. Mm. They bring uh, ma- uh, they bring some savings, some mm. big money because it can be very expensive to uh, renovate your floors. Mm. So they of course want the best product for the money they have, mm. uh, and it's this responsibility uh, I liked immediately. Mm-hmm. But what I also liked is that we were we were leaving the shop. We, we didn't stay inside the same shop twenty four seven. We we left the shop many times a day to go visit the customers at home, mm. see how they were living, what conditions are the floors, mm. are there some technical things we need to know before we can put down this floor what they want. And then on the site, create the drawing, now comes the system, mm-hmm. uh, all what we need to do, present it for the customer, see if we can close the deal, get a signature, mm. and, uh, and then come home, order all the things, order the people who should do it, Mm. Uh, uh, put it in correct way and and all this process of having control of your administration mm. uh, that that fascinated me and the responsibility mm. and of course of on the human side uh, I like the empathy mm-hmm. for the people also. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like that uh, that people uh, if you talk correctly to them they will trust you with this because yeah in people, Denmark, people we do business with people. They, they, yeah, yeah, they yeah. buy buy from people. They not buy the from people. Yeah. yeah, and it was a time where where still we had no internet trade. We 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 really relied on people what they were saying to us when 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 we went shopping there. Mm-hmm. And 
you know the Danish culture of uh, carpets. Uh, carpets are extremely, extremely luxurious mm. and very, very expensive. Mm-hmm. So uh, for a normal living room, it it would be it would be easily between one to three thousand euros mm-hmm. for a living room. Mm-hmm. And if if you're just uh, an old couple on on pension, yeah, yeah. maybe somebody's saving five six years for this. Yeah, yeah. and then you better it, get it right. You better get it right. And I so much enjoyed this uh, responsibility and the contact with the people. Mm-hmm. And then they would come slowly and and they would do the next room and they yeah, yeah. Uh, and then they oh I will send my son or my daughter they are moving or yeah. you know this I I love this so much that uh, that uh, you can get the mouth to mouth advertising. Mm-hmm also mm. from what you do yeah it gives a certain satisfaction somehow yeah. to to know that you're you're doing a good enough job to yeah. that people actually want to talk about it to yeah, others you yeah. know and so. all my friends they were no not all my friends some of my friends they were more into these fashion clothes or selling uh, computers or yeah. high t- hi-fi equipment or something but when we talked i could say that they were just vacuum cleaning cleaning toilets <laughs> uh, washing something, driving something, lifting something, and all these things I also did. Yeah. But nobody told me when. It was my responsibility that the shop was nice mm. in this way. Mm. But I had all the clients also. Mm-hmm. And total freedom. It was an amazing manager. He gave me total freedom because I could do the job. But as you said, I mean, it's, uh, it's uh, you know, carpets carp- yeah. are maybe not like, you know, it's it's not something that you write Oscar movies about. No, no. But, no. Uh, but it's interesting that you you, f- you found the passion in other, in, in something else than the product itself. Yeah, it was a whole package. Mm. It was a whole package uh, of, uh, of, of, of this uh, connection between the end user mm. And and us as professionals. Mm-hmm. Did you ever, did you ever have like some, I don't know, like that that somebody came in, bought something, and then he told you, okay, I'm gonna go on holiday, and you install my new carpet while I'm away, and then you put down the wrong carpet. Uh, n- no, but I have tried to install. Uh, I was not installing. Uh, yeah, but, no, yeah, but yeah, but the organizing. I was responsible. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, I have tried to install a very expensive living room, mm. extremely expensive living room, and um, I don't know how the people could not see a big, big error in the carpet in the middle. It was mm. a light, light carpet. Mm. It was from wool, which is a natural product, so it 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 cannot be paper white, but it, no. but but there was it was so obvious, and of course it was seventy square meters or something, a huge living room, uh-huh. very expensive, and and so many furnitures to be taken in and out. And then first time at sunrise, and you see the light on the carpet, it was so visible. And what yeah. happens then? We changed it. Really? Yeah, yeah. It okay. was a big, big, big mistake. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but I guess it's like, you know, I was telling you before, I, t- I just bought a car, and, and it turned out when it came from Germany, it was the wrong car. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it know, can happen. Just, yeah, it can happen. Yeah, it can happen. So we have to send it back and get a new one. Yeah. So um, but uh, this this uh, carpet world, I mean, yeah. this this... Gave you like, uh, yeah, it's I mean, it's gave you a career. You know that yeah. it took you on a path, right? Yeah, because uh, 
uh, somebody could wonder why I could not do the military if I can lift carpets. Mm. And uh, and it, it is also correct. Uh, but I, I didn't have to lift carpets at three o'clock in the night on some exercise with other soldiers. Mm-hmm. So I would get my rest and I was not lifting carpets all the time. That it was less what, intensity. Yeah, it was mm. less intensity. And, uh, and um, it was a two-year education to get what we call a shop assistant certificate. Mm. You get your education that you are uh, able to run a shop. Mm. Marketing, uh, decorating the windows, whatever. Yeah. All these things. And um, and um, in these two years, I got so much responsibility because the manager was very, very open and very good with his employees. And uh, immediately, I was running all reclamation mm. as, a, as a newbie. Mm. All reclamation, what came, came to me. And mm-hmm. I would handle them mm-hmm. because I uh, I had the empathy side. What mm-hmm. what they missed, some, yeah. they they said. Yeah, I was good with the customer when he was angry to get him uh, settled down and then talk. Solve the what problem. is the problem? Yeah. yeah. So um, and then I started doing business to business. What was very interesting, uh, doing hotels, doing uh, offices, mm-hmm. with all kinds of technical things where. Things cannot be static. It has to be anti-static for mm. high-tech equipment that cannot come some sparks from the carpets or something like this. Mm-hmm. So it got more and more in these two years, much more than you normally get as a shop assistant. Much, mm-hmm. much more. Mm-hmm. Um, and immediately I told, uh, not immediately, the first year when it was ending, I told my manager that I like this company and uh, I want to proceed. Mm. You want to make a career out of this. Yes, and mm. uh, and uh, they sa- shipped over the district manager to talk with us. He came regularly, and uh, we made a small plan to keep things open, what were happening. Something were happening in Germany. Mm. Of course, something were happening in Denmark, but it was it was more or less settled with the, those 40, 45 shops, what we had. Mm. Um, uh, and then out of nowhere, really out of nowhere, mm. they, they went into Poland, mm. They opened uh, in Warsaw, mm. one big shop, um, and it was uh, in 93, 94, so mm. just four or five years after. Yeah, communism ends. Yeah, and uh, you can say just four or five years, yes, but it takes a long time before the big international companies could Come start in the, investments, yeah, yeah. building something, shopping parks. Yeah. So we were, we were. Uh, I was not there when they opened in Warsaw, but uh, they actually sold hundred percent of the shop before it opened to uh-huh. people passing for uh-huh. curious uh-huh. there was nothing to buy that beautiful yeah. what we had we yeah. had all the nice products from Denmark from China from Nepal mm. and it was just gone mm-hmm. the manager uh, uh, came from uh, from his job in Germany he was also from Denmark mm. he was also called Lars uh-huh. <laughs> and he was getting his certificate in the very same shop in Svendborg, which I did. Uh-huh. So he went through Germany, became went a country Poland, manager yeah. in Poland, opening this big, big business over there. Mm-hmm. And then he needed to expand. Okay. He wanted to open more shops, so he needed somebody who knew the concept. Mm-hmm. Not to be the boss of the shop, but to teach the boss of the shop how to do it and then leave. Mm-hmm. We call it supervisor. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so you come in for the project of opening a store and then yeah. you you stay with them maybe three months after it's open yeah. or a month or something and then you leave. Yeah, we uh, we planned it like this because uh, it is quite difficult to learn about uh, floors, not the product, mm. 
or the floor under? What mm-hmm. condition is it? Do mm. you need to put some cement on it? Mm. All these things. So it's not just like that. And and uh, of course, the whole selling process, mm. how to be a better salesman, how to present the shop. So no. so I, I said immediately, I want this. Mm. But I was still not out of my two years. Yeah, because you're like 22, uh, three. Yeah, something like this. Yeah. And, and I still didn't end uh, my uh, certificate, this two years education. Oh. So one week after finishing, I flew to Warsaw. Mm-hmm. And I stayed three months in Warsaw to learn a little bit about how we did it there. Mm. And then um, we had a signed contract with IKEA in an IKEA shopping center. We had a, a big, big shop ready. Mm. And I would be responsible from from uh, from the very moment they put on the roof. Uh-huh. So you come into this concrete building yeah. and had to uh, make this uh, ready for our shop. Uh-huh. All the installation has to fit with our installation. It could not be a fireway if we have planning some carpets there. Or uh-huh. so all this way, and then finding employees, uh, employ them, finding shirts, uh, balloons, all kinds of things. We didn't have it, so we found everything. Uh-huh. Uh, and I opened my first shop in a, in a Polish city called uh, Poznan. Uh-huh. Lived there one year. Left it to another guy, and then I left to the south of Poland to Katowice, mm. uh, and uh, I opened a shop there and stayed eight, ten months in that shop also. So that is now a total of two years in Poland. Uh, so wait, so you you're uh, you come from a farm in, in Denmark <laughs> and uh, with the plan of being a pilot or a scuba diver for the military, and yep. then you are 22, three years old, opening carpet stores in Poland. Yeah, it sounds correct, yeah. your summary. <laughs> Okay, and yeah. uh, and w- w- but how was it? Because you know, like you know, you, uh, how was it to come to Poland in, as you say, like ninety three, four, five, yeah. when nothing has been there? Like th- as you say, the, the 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 supplies of the store are sold out before the store opens because yeah. these products just hadn't been available. Yeah. But how was it to find the balloons, to find the shirts, to get yeah. everything? It was so difficult. Yeah. First of all, uh, I came first of August ninety six. Mm-hmm finishing this uh, education in Denmark. And then I didn't speak Polish. Yeah. Uh, and that is, of course, uh, the biggest challenge because very, very, very few people of the, those people who we wanted, we wanted the mature people to be employed, mm-hmm. uh, uh, let's say uh, 30 plus, yeah. 35 plus. And they wouldn't speak English. They wouldn't speak English. They could mm. speak Russian, mm. uh, if, if anything. But... Um, only the young people, so we had to employ some younger also. Mm. Uh, so it was very difficult, I can say, mm. very difficult. But mm. uh, but somehow, it, it when a person is put in this position, you you just do, you need to do something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah the only thing you can't do is nothing. Yeah, that that's uh, yeah. that's uh, that's of course. So you do yeah. mistakes, you do you correct them, and you continue. And then you get on to Prague somehow, or yeah. Or then uh, to be honest, um, I was not. Uh, personally very satisfied in Poland. Mm-hmm. Um, With your life? Uh, yes, and, and the life in Poland. Mm-hmm. Um, it was not s- suiting me because I am so naive. I believe in the best of all people and it it hurt it's me so sc- many times. Scan- it's the Scandinavian yeah. syndrome. Yeah, we, it, are, it, we are too nice. And we are too nice, so uh, I got stabbed in the back so many times yeah. uh, from our staff. And, yeah. Um, yeah, and I was young. And uh, mm. and 
didn't know about these many things. We had so many things, uh, control systems, surveillance systems, mm. and I couldn't believe it. It was it was negative energy for me. Yeah. So I, I said to them, um, I can see in our internal magazine, we had an internal magazine, it said that they are now going to open next year in Czech Republic together mm-hmm. with Ikea and and the same deal like what we did. And I immediately complained why they would bring new people from Denmark. Mm-hmm. Why they didn't take us who already went to did the... It in Poland, yeah. We already knew the Eastern Europe yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Not to say that those countries are the same, but but they are they are a little bit more closer mm. than, than if you just come from Denmark. Yeah. So I complained about this. And of course, uh, because I was so young, they, they told me, but Lars, you need to crawl before you can walk. Mm-hmm. So it meant, of course, I was not... Uh, I was not enough mature. I was not enough uh, uh, experienced. experienced yeah. yeah. So, so they basically uh, just told me, "You can, you can go there because we actually don't have a manager for the first eight months. We have found some person, but he is bound to his job, and I will not say the company, but he had a contract. He couldn't leave it mm-hmm. in a big, big position. Mm. He was bound eight months. So we need a." country manager for those mm. eight, eight months. So I said, okay, this is this is good. I wanted to leave Poland. So I left for Prague. Mm. And that was, uh, if, if Warsaw was from scratch, this was even more from scratch because uh-huh. there was nothing, mm-hmm. absolutely nothing. So we started in a hotel room uh, finding everything, like everything. Mm. There was nothing. So... Um, and there were more people speaking English. Uh, I immediately find a secretary who could uh, translate for me. Mm. So it went very well. And um, yeah, then I was a country manager in Czech Republic. How about you? Twenty-three, uh-huh. I think. Twenty-three. And, and, and why? What do you 25. think that you? Why do you, Why do you think? I mean, like, why do you leave Denmark? Was there, uh, Do you know what I mean? Like, it's mm. it's. Uh, it could have you could have just stayed there yeah, and, yeah. and and you know yeah. what, what what drives you to come here you know um adventures I, or, or yeah it was some kind of adventure um i had a feeling that if i would take a few years in some other countries mm. i could use my uh, business side from the business school to maybe do some export mm-hmm. and then it would be a benefit to know some languages yeah it was my belief at this time but mostly, I could say personally, uh, I was uh, going in circles. Mm-hmm. The job in, in this carpet world was very, very nice. But personally, I was going in circles. Mm-hmm. I had some years there where, where I, was, uh, I wasn't satisfied with what was happening. So I, you can say I, 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 I left it all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not overnight, but, but planned. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just needed a, a whiteboard to start all over. Mm. Yeah. Like a blank canvas. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, after this uh, traffic accident of my father, mm. taking care of uh, all this farm and my business school and the gymnastics and the sports, uh, I was so so tired, uh, really tired, and missing out on this uh, military thing. And I mm. guess all these uh, three four years of at the same time, uh, it, it kind of yeah, you needed a fresh start. Somehow. I needed a fresh start. So it uh, when I saw in our internal magazine that they were doing this. Mm. Uh, it was a company that I knew. Oh. I believed that, so that was a good security. They mm. would do all kinds of paperwork, visas, and uh, finding yeah, everything apartments. was taken care yeah, of. So I should yeah. just do my job, and that uh, that uh, was uh, settling for me. Mm. 
So but during during this time, I mean, from from the moment that you find out that that there, your your spine is missing something or something is wrong, because you seem yeah, like you said twenty hours a week of gymnastics, you're working in the farm, so you've always been active, physically active. Yeah. And uh, how was that during this time? Are you are you are you active physically or able to be active physically, or or is is this still a problem? I can say uh, that I'm not proud of it, but from the moment I landed in Poland, mm. everything stopped. Uh-huh. Uh, we worked from nine morning till n- the opening hours were nine to nine, uh-huh. Monday to Sunday. Okay, so and it was we, never a day off. So we stayed there. Mm-hmm. So we had so many hours. Mm-hmm. And of course, sometimes we had to be the people in front, showing the way, doing mm-hmm. some physical work, how to do this, uh-huh. teach them. Oh. How, how do we do this? How do we manage these big heavy carpets? Mm. Uh, so you can say I did that, but uh, then we ate too much in the restaurant in the evening, and mm. I got bigger and bigger. But it's 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 easy when you when you uh, because I, I actually had the same. I moved from from Iceland to to Denmark, and I took on a job where I was super busy, and the and kind of the rhythm of my yeah. my life went off. Yeah. And then it was super easy, you know, I lived in a hotel and on the ground floor was Burger King, so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, the, that was the easy choice, you know, and and all of a sudden, you know, like you, you've left behind all your good habits. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but the pain, was the pain still there? Uh, no, it, it settled a little bit uh-huh. because I was now grown up yeah. and there were no, uh, pr- uh, I was not growing anymore, so it yeah. was now stable. Uh-huh. Uh, but the pain was there, but uh, uh, to be honest, I think it was more for the overweight. Mm-hmm. Because I was now getting quite big, mm-hmm. and fat actually. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm curious about one thing because um, having lived, I mean, I'm, I'm from Iceland, and I lived in Denmark for you know four four years or four and a half years, and then now I've been living here in in the Czech Republic for for twelve years. And 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 one of the things that I I've, I have felt um, <laughs> looking back to Scandinavia, to Iceland and Denmark, from here, from the position of being here, is that we are a little bit spoiled in Scandinavia, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, we take everything kind of for granted and we, wa- we want more. And uh, is, is this something that you felt on this? Because, I mean, you're going... I, I just get here, like, 2009. I mean, you're, you're in 96 in Poland. And yeah. then you come here in yeah. well, 97, 8... Yeah, ninety-eight. I come to Prague. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so you come here when people have even less yeah. than they have now. Yeah. yeah. Do you, did you feel this kind of what the fuck are we complaining about in Denmark? Yeah, a huge deal. Yeah. Every time we would come home and uh, and somebody would tell about some uh, what what would be considered really luxury problems here in, in Czech Republic. Yeah. Uh, I I would of course uh, try to influence them not to be so negative. Mm. That uh, if you just leave Denmark and go and leave Scandinavia, this yeah. is by no means standard in the yeah. world. So, so, but yes, we see that a lot. Uh, but the biggest uh, thing was actually that our welfare system in Denmark, mm. it is to some degree, of course, a safety net, but it is also uh, uh, a, a, sl- a sleeping nest, yeah. or what you can yeah, say. Yeah, yeah. Because the difference of getting social benefits when you're unemployed. Mm. And the the job what you might get, the monthly difference can be so low that it cannot mm. even pay your gasoline going there. Mm. So you have no motivation to find a job. 
Yeah, I, I actually had a concrete case like this. We 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 had an office out in Dragur, outside of Copenhagen, yeah. which is a tiny little beautiful village, and uh, we were trying to hire people that were unemployed, and 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 they said no because exactly of this. They said yeah. it will cost me, it won't cover my bus yeah. ride yeah. to work the every difference. day to come yeah. here, and uh, and it takes the motivation out of yeah. of people to try something. If yeah. you don't work in Czech Republic. What you can buy from your social benefits, yeah. it, it, it is less than nothing. Yeah. It is really not, nothing. Yeah. So you need to do something. Mm. Uh, and that was uh, the, the biggest uh, change for me, that uh, this motivation of take care of yourself. Mm. This uh, And I'm trying to bring it on to my children. You do it yourself. Mm-hmm. Nobody is supposed to do no, it for no, you. Don't expect the society mm. to lift you up. Just do it yourself. Mm-hmm. I have these three small mantras. They are so tired of me when I say them. Yeah. They know them now. They live, live according to them. Uh-huh. <laughs> but uh, it's uh, yeah, I, I, and I, I, I remember, you know, my my. I have uh, I have a lot of friends that are are very judgmental towards uh, women that come from from this region. Yeah. And they, because most of the women, for example, most of the women that have come to Iceland from Czech Republic in the past, you know, in like now I'm talking in 95 to maybe yeah, 2000, yeah, 2005, yeah. they came to work in strip clubs and, and yeah. stuff like that. And uh, and it, it's it's very interesting. And, you know, like, obviously, when I lived in Iceland, I was like, oh, yeah, okay, they're all strippers there. But then when I moved here, I realized that, well, I can see why you make that choice, because... If you go and work here in a supermarket, you earn yeah. maybe you know five hundred euros a month. Yeah. And but if you go and work as a stripper in Iceland, you can earn five hundred euros a night. Yeah. And and it kind of yeah to come into this environment kind of yeah. made me see things in a very different way. Yeah. And yeah. And, uh, and it frustrates me often when I then look at what we're of course what we're pitching about in yeah, the yeah, north, yeah. you know, yeah. and we call ourselves the happiest nations and the richest nations, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then all we do is to fight and and complain, complain you know? about small things, yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, so you're saying that during this was a side note of Scandinavian pain, but uh, um, you're you're saying that uh, during this time that you, you get in here and you know basically when you land in Poland, you 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 stop all the good habits. Yeah. Yeah. I did. And uh, and you start gaining weight. Yeah, I and did. W- was that a lot? I mean, was it like one kilo per year, or was it like? Ah, uh, uh, no, no, no. It was. Uh, I I don't know exactly what. Uh, I would say it was uh, over those three four years mm. from '96 going to Poland and leaving Czech Republic in the year of 2000. Uh, in my mind, it would be more than uh, 15 20 kilos. Mm-hmm. So it, it was from being a, a sporty teenager. Mm. Uh, uh, I have a little bit muscles, so uh, mm. I would weigh something uh, more than 80 anyway, mm. but I got above 100. Mm-hmm. And and um, yeah. But the changing point a little bit was uh, in 99, um, when I was supposed to leave Czech Republic after these uh, six, seven months of being the, the country the manager. manager yeah. Yeah. Uh, we had a, a secret meeting with my uh, Danish manager and uh, the one who was supposed to come and take over my position. Mm. Uh, we should just talk about what was happening in, in our company so he would know because it was getting closer and closer for hi- him to come. 
And I, when the meeting ended, I told my Danish manager, that man is never coming. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, but something told me he is not coming here. Mm-hmm. And they said, ah, but it can't be. We have a contract and everything. Mm. Okay. Uh, I will not say anymore. So I took all my things after three and a half years, took all my things, moved it back to Denmark. I mm. had just one suitcase here, like in a hotel, you can say. Mm. And I was ready to go home. And I had actually a contract from a real estate agency on a house, which I should buy together with my little brother mm-hmm. in our town. It was ready for our signature when I came home. And uh, he called me, my, my Danish manager, and he said, uh, I owe you a beer. You were right. You are right. He's not coming. Mm-hmm. And nobody knew about this. Nobody mm. knew that I was supposed to leave, mm. uh, that it was just temporary. So then um, I was the only one who could actually proceed in that position mm. and the most obvious one to do it because I did okay with the opening of Czech Republic. Mm. From scratch, we opened in, in Prague together with uh, next to Ikea and we opened in Breno mm. next to Ikea. Mm. Two shops, uh, one month apart from each other, they opened up. Mm. Bring, bring the microphone a little bit closer to you. Yeah, okay. Yeah, good. Um, so... They offered me the job, mm. and and it was uh, a contract with no ending. Yeah, and then I said to myself, uh, I need to go back to a normal day again. Mm. So uh, I would start not working all the weekends, mm. and uh, I would then go uh, to see something. Yeah, so you basically you were happy working twelve hours a day as long you knew it was temporary. Yeah. It wasn't. It yeah, was yeah. going to take an end. And now when they wanted you permanently yeah you said okay i need i need to yeah, have a life I, yeah because i, <laughs> I uh, in those three and a half years I, i i knew nobody you can say you meet somebody you yeah, know, yeah yeah uh, you don't make friends that way you no, don't have time for that no 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 so so i said i i need a normal day here mm. where i go shopping come home make dinner go for friends go for sports so i started slowly mm. uh, to to take off in the weekends mm. going for Tourist attractions, uh, taking my car, going somewhere, one two days, mm. uh, experiencing Czech Republic. You can say, and I, mm. I, I was immediately much happier in Czech Republic than in Poland. Mm. From for my case, it was much better. It is much better, yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. Um, uh, so, um, and then I started uh, because I I was missing something mm. from uh, previously mm. from the gymnastic world. Mm. Uh, we did uh, we did gymnastic. You know that. Uh, choreography to music. Mm. Uh, you are a group of people doing the same kind of movements in uh, in uh, in the rhythm of music, mm. and I was missing this, mm. but it didn't didn't exist here. So uh, I did the second best thing, and that was I started doing old ladies aerobics. Uh-huh. Uh That was my level because I was overweight, mm. and uh, they was they were so looking at me because there are no men. So you showed up in a class with the yeah. older, older women. Yeah, yeah. They, they assigned me to this uh, <laughs> uh, old ladies class because uh, they were not used to men doing aerobics here. Uh-huh. Um, so I was the only one doing that. Uh, and uh, I could immediately, I can say, I could immediately do what the women were doing. Mm. I was just a lot more sweaty than them. Uh-huh. <laughs> so and, uh, but uh, And is that like at that time you have realized that Yeah. You want to lose that weight again? Or yeah, or I, I, I wanted to just uh, be in normal shape again. I mm. was not so focused for the weight. Uh, so after some three, four months of doing this aerobics, uh, I changed for a higher level. 
mm. of aerobics. Younger women or, or younger women and uh, and uh, in this class, uh, uh, the mother of my children were the instructor. Uh huh. Yeah. So, so that's, that's where that started. That's where that started. So uh, and then began um, a whole, uh, I can say, season of doing a lot of sport. Mm. And I dropped 20 kilos at that time back in '99. Mm-hmm. So I was back to this normal normal, way. normal weight of uh, 85 or something like this. Mm. Yeah. And how was that? Like, did you feel like a mental change as well? Because I mean, I was I was fat. I, I lost 30 kilos in in like nine months, and uh, and and it took me a while to get used to my new self somehow. Mm. Did you feel something like that? Uh, no, uh, not mentally. Mm. Physically, it was a big benefit, mm. but uh, mentally, I can say, coming from all this with this experience and uh, uh, having so much responsibility and this, I was, uh, I was confident already. Mm-hmm. So I didn't feel it at this time in 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 my uh, uh, more older years when I lost weight. I felt it heavily. Uh huh. But th- at that period, it was most physically the mm-hmm. pain was gone. Yeah. Yeah, I had the same. I mean, I I, I had a lot of back pains and things uh, that, that, that disappeared uh, with, with with the weight loss. But talking about the weight loss in general, so you put on weight again, right? Then um, uh, to to make it short, uh, I was then with uh, with this uh, woman mm-hmm. for that little year, and uh, unfortunately, the company decided to make a huge investment, and um, they wanted to invest in Turkey. Mm-hmm. Uh, to buy some 40 shops down there and uh, and then there should be one east european um company you could say mm-hmm. and they wanted me to be the purchasing manager mm-hmm. they wanted the polish manager this other lars to be the manager mm. and then some woman to be the administrative mm. uh, but that meant that i should move back to warsaw mm-hmm. uh I said immediately that uh, that sounds to be that sounds like a, a good plan for you. Uh, I thank you for this uh, opportunity, but I will do that job. I will be happy to do that job, but I will do it from Prague. Mm. I will travel to Warsaw as many times as you want to have meetings, but uh, if I'm a purchase manager, I need to to travel to Germany and Belgium and France to buy carpets. So it doesn't matter where I live, actually. But they they meant otherwise, mm. and they actually said that um, it was uh, with or without me they would do this. So I said, okay, then um, um, let me stop my contract, and uh, I will then move back to Denmark. And uh, I got a, I got the second biggest shop in Denmark, which were falling down. It mm-hmm. was uh, it, it was uh, doing minus very bad conditions. Mm. So this woman and me, we then in year two thousand moved back. Uh, not for her. It was not back. Yeah, she, she's a Czech uh, woman. She moved with you. Yeah. She moved with me mm-hmm. to Denmark in the year two thousand, mm-hmm. and uh, then we began uh, regular family life. I was doing this shop. She was at home and doing uh, Danish language. And uh, in two thousand and two, we got the first child, mm-hmm. and then life just proceeded. And uh, slowly, slowly, I went back to one hundred kilos, mm-hmm. and I stayed there for. Fifteen years. Mm-hmm. We mm. call we call one hundred kilos in Iceland. We call that a postcode because the postcodes in Iceland are three numbers. Ah, really? Yeah. So, yeah. So you have three digits. You know, then then you're in a postcode weight. Ah, okay. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> but uh, um, so y- you stay there 
But you then you get back here, right? Yeah, then uh, it uh, then actually some eight nine years goes on. Yeah, and um, um, always in carpets. Uh, no, then in 2005, I changed to uh, do-it-yourself uh-huh. uh, shops, like yeah. uh, uh, this uh, where you buy wood and yeah. plastery. and yeah, like ma- Hornbach. And, and, Hornbach yeah. and Baumax and yeah. all this, uh, Bauhaus. I became a manager and had, I think, 40 employees in the city of Svendborg, where mm. I'm from. Mm. Uh, but but my wife, uh, she was missing her country mm-hmm. after these nine years, I can say. And um, I always promised uh, to her, and she promised me actually also, that we would never keep each other hostage. Mm. If for good reason somebody needed to go back, we would do it when possible, not overnight. Yeah. yeah. So I started applying for jobs, mm. and uh, I almost I ended up in second place, <laughs> being the country manager for Jusk. Uh-huh. In, That's uh, another Lars. That would be 800 employees yeah. in Czech Republic and Slovak, yeah. uh, some 40 shops, yeah. uh, and I ended in second place in 2009. Uh-huh. So that didn't work out, and then uh, in 2010 something happened that uh, I went out of my work and started something for myself mm. uh, with two other guys, mm. uh, and that job it didn't care where I lived. Okay, it was uh, on an office. Uh-huh. So we took that chance. And uh, we moved our five children, the youngest one, two months, uh, to the south part of uh, Czech Republic in a small mountain city, uh-huh. five kilometers from the Austrian border. It's a ski resort. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, it was just some friends who told us it was nice, so we moved there. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's crazy. But uh, the, the, the thing was that um, we wanted the children to not be in a very, very big, busy mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, school. Environment, yeah. school. Yeah. They needed to learn the language. Mm. So this little city could offer that. And it was a perfect choice if we look at the children. Mm. And um, I would sit in a hotel room. I rented a hotel room like office. And I ran this uh, business um, from an office uh, in South Czech Republic. Uh, and it went very well. Well, uh, what kind of business was this? What, uh, it is you? extremely strange. Um, uh, Nothing is strange on this podcast. No, okay. That, and, um, and you can swear <laughs> and whatever. Yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, my neighbor in Denmark, mm. he needed somebody who was good with systems and administration. Yeah. So, okay. And he saw that I, because I helped him one time, he saw that I could do this. Mm. He said, I have a network because I'm working offshore mm-hmm. in Angola. Mm. Africa, and we cannot get our supplies mm-hmm. of gloves, uh, protection gear, um, mask, uh, clothes, uh, tools, mm-hmm. computers, whatever. Uh, they were cl- they were cleaning. They were cleaning company for the oil industry. They mm-hmm. would get all the waste from the oil platforms, oh. or from a boat that is uh, dirty inside that needed to be cleaned inside. All this water, what would be dirty with mm-hmm. oil and yeah, yeah. it would come to them. And they would clean it. They would clean it. So it would be uh, good environmental. for the environmental. Yeah. Oh. And uh, it was a company growing extremely. They were like uh, 500 people mm-hmm. needing uh, gloves, shoes, protection gear, all kinds of things. And they could not get it in time because nobody took this uh, administration seriously. Mm-hmm. And the paperwork to get something into Angola. Oh, it's very complicated. It's extremely complicated. Mm. And um, I learned it 
very fast because of the systems. I just followed the systems. So very fast, my paperwork uh, was very good. So they bought more and more and more. Mm-hmm. And at <laughs> in 2013, uh, we, we, we did a, a turnover of some, yeah, what would that be? 15 million euros, uh-huh. I think. Maybe uh, almost 20 million euros. I did from a hotel room in the Czech Republic. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. And 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 but uh, were you happy there in that little town? I mean, how how because it must be. Uh, uh, I was happy, but uh, uh, it was too far away from Denmark, and uh-huh. I needed I needed to go back to Denmark uh, where we had our warehouse. Yeah. And uh, all the things were arriving in this warehouse. Yeah. And I actually employed my mother to take care of this uh, warehouse and uh-huh. uh, control everything for me that it was correctly. Mm. And then we needed to go back and then put it into some containers and mm. prepare it. Mm. And this journey, it was so far away for me. Mm. I did it every month and it was too far away. Mm. And I could see that uh, this small city didn't offer anything for my children when they would grow up. Mm-hmm. They would all have to leave very early to do educations. Mm-hmm. So that was a little frightening for me. Mm. And I said to my, my, my wife at the time that we, we, we needed to to at least go to Prague. I promised her that I would always go to Prague at any time. Mm. I have not promised to go to a ski resort in the mountains. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so she agreed. And mm. uh, in 2014, after three, four years in this area, we, we came up here, mm. bought a house. And one year after this contract ended, we knew it was a, it was a contract we would yeah, yeah. lose again. Yeah, because it was uh, your the people you were helping, they probably had a temporary contract on the yeah they had a temporary contract and they get we we knew that if somebody would buy them mm-hmm. they would do it themselves yeah. Yeah. yeah and that happened okay so uh, we just we, we say in danish we, we milked the cow as long as we could yeah and uh, and that started the financial uh, foundation for me personally mm. to create a small company in denmark where i do uh, real estate mm mm-hmm. I had I rent uh, offices and warehouses mm-hmm. to small companies. Yeah. Uh, again, the small man. Uh, yeah. I have no focus for bigger companies. Yeah. I I take a building and I separate it into many small places and I rent it for a carpenter. Now, uh, uh, yesterday I signed a contract with a woman who is starting to create her own jewelry uh-huh. in a small office. Okay. Somebody is doing some uh, physiotherapy in an office and uh, yeah, carpenters, roof man and. But that's, I guess that's also good diversification because instead of having one big tenant, yeah, exactly, then you have thirty small ones. Yeah, but but for me, it's again about the contact, and I so much like to help these small companies to grow. Mm. I already had two companies outlive their space and had to move. Mm-hmm. Of course, I'm sad to say goodbye, but I'm also proud that they made the beginning of the company within uh, something we agreed on. Yeah. Uh. Nice. So uh, this is my uh, my financial foundation is this company. Mm-hmm. It's not big enough to be to be rich from, but uh, mm-hmm. I can I I remain my living. freedom. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I I value my freedom for this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And during this time, you're you're putting on the kilos again, and and now even worse. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Now it's even worse. Uh, something happened when uh, when we moved back to Czech Republic in 2011. Maybe it's a beer. Uh, I'm not drinking so All much beer at this time. Oh. It's more the way they cook with the oil. Mm-hmm. You know, this, uh, what do we call it? Smasini, what is it called? Uh, yeah, uh, fried cheese and fried, everything all this fried, deep yeah. fried. Yeah, and, everything yeah. fried, yeah. Uh, and um, and I went to my maximum 
from what I know, because when you are overweight, you, you don't, don't check, check your weight. <laughs> yeah, I know that. <laughs> but I know that it was two, uh, 118. Uh-huh. And you're so not tall. I'm not tall. I've never been called tall, no. Mm. So uh, it was it was bad. Yeah, and it, 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 you felt it? Yeah, I felt it. Uh, uh, sleeping bad, uh, mm. everything. All the standards. Mm-hmm. Um, but wh- and wh- what... Um what kind of got you to to go again and yeah. change again? I yeah, mean, what, yeah, what yeah. was the was there a triggering moment or something? Or it was because uh, um, uh, my ex-wife and me we uh, we outgrew each other a little bit. Mm. Uh, we have never been fighting or have some big big issues, but we have we have maybe also never been uh, real passionate about each other. Mm. We have respect and it was good balance family life, but something we're missing. Mm. And in 2015, uh, it just changed somehow. Mm. Uh, some big changes came, and and I knew um, this cannot be. Mm. Uh, but I felt guilty because when you have five children, mm. and the youngest one in 2015, he would be four. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, it was too young to get a divorce. Mm. So I tried to to stay in this relationship. Uh, I tried to work with what my wife was uh, very open to the problems. Mm. Uh, it's not like it's her fault or my uh, fault. Uh. It, it's it's the situation. And um, then slowly I just realized, why do I tell everybody they have to do it themselves mm. and I am not doing anything? Mm. I'm not even listening to myself. Mm. I am a very... A, uh, maybe a very good motivator and teacher and mm. all kinds of things, but I'm actually not doing it. Mm. So, uh, and I knew, of course, if if it would come to the point that I should meet somebody again, mm. well, it, it's it's maybe better to make myself slightly more attractive. Yeah, yeah. more presentable. Yeah. And, uh, of course, I could feel that uh, I could not bicycle correctly. Uh, I could not uh, play tennis correctly, what I enjoy much, uh, a lot. Mm. Uh, so I knew that I, n- I needed to take the top off easily, mm-hmm. uh, uh, fast, mm-hmm. because it was painful. And I knew also that I am uh, not good for a diet. Mm. I need something what is uh, what, what will stay. Mm. And then somebody was telling me about this uh, carbon hydrate uh, cure, Mm. You can say where you eat a, a less and less of carbon hydrate. Mm. And that fascinated me that you can eat many things. Mm. You can eat what you like. But you should just eat less of those things. Mm. And he said to me, um, you will feel nothing mm. two, three weeks. You mm. will feel nothing. Nothing happens. Mm. But after two, three weeks, your body starts like an engine mm. to burn off from your fat depots. Mm. And then I lost two kilos a week. Yeah. And uh, I continued, and I lost 15 kilos quite fast, mm. three, four months mm. maximum. And uh, now I lost 35. Wow, that's crazy. Uh, yeah. It's such a good feeling when <laughs> this happens, <laughs> really because is. I remember this, um, my moment was, you know, I, I stepped on a scale that I, had, I, had, I hadn't done on purpose. I had avoided all scales, and... Uh, yeah, I was in in my office in Denmark, and I and and I found a scale behind one of the doors, and I stepped yeah. on, it and then I was like, "Shit, yeah, this is bad." Yeah, it's bad. And and I kind of yeah, I kind of I kind of did the same. It was um, 
I was uh, avoiding those uh, bad carbohydrates, you know, white bread, white sugar, and pasta, and, and, yeah, and, pasta, yeah, yeah. And, and 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 these kind of things. And I actually started eating more yeah. and more frequently than I had done before. Yeah, and uh, and I I was surprised actually how easy this was. I mean, like I I I, no I always effort. yeah, it was no effort because I was never hungry or anything like this. And but for me, it was yeah, like I told you earlier, it was a big. Maybe it's just because I had continuously been fat since I was always I was always a little bit fat, yeah. And then it had just got worse and worse and worse. Yeah, exactly. And maybe so. So for me, it was a mental change as well because I kind of had to get used to a new me somehow. Yeah, that's right. That's and, right. Uh, uh, yeah, because you are not uh, because you can actually. I lost twenty five or thirty kilo. I lost totally without sport. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was just the same from, for me. Yeah, just, just from, from changing my eating yeah. habits. Yeah. So. But but then immediately, when I felt more light, because mm. you cannot say it's overnight, but one day you actually realize it. Uh, wow, I'm slim again. Yeah, and and that makes you say, okay, now I will play tennis. Yeah, and you start slowly, and then you build up your muscle mass again. Yeah. And um, and um, so it started in 2016, 17 for real that mm. I wanted to change something. Mm. And at this point, it was very bad at home. Uh, we were not still fighting or anything, but a lot of what I want from a relationship was missing. Yeah, yeah. I uh, th- on this uh, on this weight loss because when we started talking and 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 you told me about this, um, I, I it's one of those things that I I'm actually very thankful to all of the people that told me that I was fat. Yeah. And they kept. I knew. I knew that. The, I knew that there was something wrong. And yeah. my doctor in Denmark told me, uh, "Listen, you, this, you're not on the right track." You know, I had yeah, some yeah. friends that told me, "Imagine if you put on two kilos for the rest of your life every year." Yeah, and I was yeah, like, "Okay, yeah. then I'll be 400 kilos." Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And you know, like I, so. So there was always in my environment, both people, you know, in my, even my mom, you know, would would tell me, "Listen, you you've gained weight," you know, and and. And and nowadays, I mean, I lost weight. I don't know, twelve years ago or something, or fifteen years ago. Yeah. And nowadays, there is a lot of talk about fat shaming. Yeah. And uh, and if if this is fat shaming, I'm very grateful to those shamers. Yeah. And I I don't I don't I I don't I don't I just want to get your opinion on it. You know, is it normal to be telling people that? Being fat is good. It's become normal because we somehow feel we should accept, uh, and we maybe should accept is maybe the wrong word, but we call everything normal. Mm. Everything is normal. It's normal to be fat. It's normal to, now it's almost getting normal to do some kind of drugs, you can say. Mm. Everybody does it, so it must be normal. Uh, mm. Everybody, uh, uh, it's normal to be uh, homosexual, so many yeah, things yeah, yeah, is called yeah. normal. Yeah. And I don't think it's the correct word. And it doesn't mean we should not accept or include these people in, mm. in, uh, in the life uh, in all means. We should. Yeah, yeah. But it's not the correct word. Mm. It's not normal to be 1 meter 74 mm. tall, mm. Uh, low, <laughs> yeah. and, and, and weigh 118 kilos. No. There is no way to describe that as normal. You're almost like a, a cubic yeah. cent, a cubic meter or something. But I can say I had nobody calling me fat. Mm. Nobody was calling me fat. I saw this when we started uh, using our mobile phones. Uh, when they became very good cameras, we started using them digitally on our holidays, taking yeah. pictures. Yeah. 
I said, oh my God, when I stand there with my children uh, and my body is the same size as the entire family, yeah. <laughs> I saw it there. Nobody called me fat because I was very active all the time. Mm. I was just in pain. Mm. Yeah, but it's 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 interesting with this f- f- obesity because I'm more fat because it's the it's the fastest growing problem of the world. It is, and on one hand, as you're saying, we're using our phones to take photos. We're sending them. We're posting them. All of social media and every every is saying it's beautiful. It's normal. It's great, but all the science. Is telling it's us we're, you're killing yourself. We're killing people yeah. from this. I think it's number one. Yeah. Uh, At least in the US, it's the number one killer. It's the number problem. one killer. Yeah. Yeah. No, but it is not normal. We should have more focus to to. I'm not saying you cannot have a happy life slightly overweight. Mm. I think you you can, and uh, if you keep a healthy lifestyle uh, with movements, make sure you have a blood circulation that is mm. healthy. Mm. I don't know. I'm not a science, but uh, I believe you can be a little bit, bit, bit overweight for yeah, a longer I mean, period. But yeah, I, I, I was, I was, I wasn't unhappy as such, but I, f- I didn't feel good. Ah, that's a, and and I knew yeah. that that, you know, like it was damaging to my health on the long run. Yeah, and uh, I actually remember he he was checking my prostate for cancer when yeah. he told me, "Listen, you, you can't go on like this," yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. And, and I was like, "Okay," yeah, yeah. but. Uh, and we would never do this with smoking. We would never say that no. it's normal to smoke. No, no, we would never do this. Because it's a killer. Yeah. Um, anyway, so so when you're on this interesting... <laughs> yeah, it's a very interesting journey that you've had. You, But you, you somehow... You get back to the water because you you wanted to be a diver in the military and the, yeah, yeah. that was one of the things that were in the navy that yeah. you, you wanted to work in the water and you you somehow get back to water and I wanted to talk to you about free diving. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I get uh, when we moved back to to Denmark. Mm. Uh, I was working in this carpet shop for three four years and that was a network in a total different city. So uh, when I came back to Svendborg of my city, I was again you can say without friends in the city. So in 2004 or five, uh, when I got the new job, I immediately got friends in the city. Mm. And uh, one of them, uh, who's still my friend, he was in a triathlon club. He was actually the, what do you call it, the chairman of the mm. triathlon club. But it, it was falling apart. Mm. Uh, some people has been, uh, had been uh, misadministrating it. And it's, uh, it's illegal to have a club where you handle people's money without doing it correctly and mm. doing... A, uh, yearly uh, accounting, accounting and reporting and all these know. things so again my administrative side came in and uh, i took over uh, as a volunteer in this club and this uh, chairman uh, and and me we then created actually over the years the second biggest triathlon club in denmark mm-hmm. ending up from three four members to 110 and these are like the full triathlons, like the Ironman triathlons? Uh, or, or it, it can be uh, Ironman. We had a few people doing even some uh, more heavier. Uh, uh-huh. These, uh, where they run 24 hours or swim around yeah. for 10 hours. I don't know. Yeah, some extremes. Ult- ultra marathons and, and these things. I was, just, uh, I was just in this club because I enjoyed, again, uh, the communication with the, with the, with the members. Mm. I enjoyed the administrative side of this and uh, pl- planning how we could use the money from the membership to pay for the swimming pool, to pay f- pay for, for example, when it was winter, we w- did spinning instead of biking. Mm. And um, 
And very fast, I became actually the teacher mm. of new people coming in who couldn't swim as you swim in triathlon. Mm. Because when you swim as a triathlete, you, you are swimming in lakes, you're swimming in oceans, and there are some elements what you don't have in a swimming pool. Mm. It can be grass, it can be gobbles, mm. it can be waves, mm. and not to mention Kicking, all, all the other people. Yeah. All the other people, yeah. yeah. Because they are fighting, and it's not a fair sport when they mm. do. They swim over you, they will pull you under, mm. they will give you an elbow in the side so you can't mm. breathe. Mm. And we were training this to be prepared when we get out in the ocean. Because remember, Svendborg is an ocean city, so mm. we would start 1st of May, we would swim in the ocean. Mm-hmm. And uh, now is my point now. When I was teaching these students, uh, I could actually not swim with them next to them and see what they were doing. Mm. And I did not want to go uh, or on the floor and watch them and then not be in water myself. Mm. So I started swimming under them, mm-hmm. looking up. So I'm upside down. And uh, one one hand was holding my nose. And then I was able to swim same speed as them under them. Mm-hmm. And I realized after some time that I'm actually doing this 20, 30 times in the evening. Uh-huh. One full length in a pool. Uh-huh. Swimming upside down under the student. And what's that, a 25-meter pool? Or, or Yeah, I think so, yeah. Uh-huh. But when you do it, you start getting uh. hyperventilated and it becomes more difficult to do it. Uh, so I realized I enjoy swimming underwater. Uh-huh. It's really my element. Uh-huh. Uh, still, we're not speaking about diving down to any uh, deep things, mm. but just being underwater and enjoying this control underwater. Mm. And slowly... In, in a parallel uh, to this triathlon, I develop an interest in watching uh, free diving in uh, YouTube, for example. Mm-hmm. Immediately, it stood very clear that uh, uh, I am not fascinated about the extreme part of it. Mm. It doesn't tell me anything to go to some crazy depth. Mm. I'm not fascinated about records. I can, I can say, wow, that's amazing. He can do it. But mm. it doesn't trigger anything for me, mm. these uh, extremes. Mm. So uh, I have actually never been diving deep. I've just been diving mm. uh, in oceans. You've just been holding your breath. Just been holding my breath and uh, swimming around where I was. But what's the what's the, I mean free diving? What what is free diving and and how is that different from from um, scuba diving? You know, like what 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 is free diving? Yeah. The the biggest difference is uh, that uh, when you are a scuba diver, you have a constant airflow. Mm-hmm. It means that. Uh, to be honest, it doesn't matter if you are half drunk or in good condition or in bad condition uh, physically. You can always dive, mm-hmm. scuba dive. Mm-hmm. It's, you shouldn't be Now drunk. a lot of scuba yeah. divers would be really pissed off when they yeah. listen. No, they will I'm say the same. I'm not sending this to the scuba divers association. No, but it's not to blame them. But if you mm-hmm. go on holidays and you go for a disco in the night, you, know, you get home in the middle of the night drunk, many mm-hmm. will go on a diving safari in the next, next morning. Yeah. And they can easily do it. Yeah. Because it takes no skills in this way. It takes many other skills, what I can admire very bigly. Mm. But the biggest part is, of course, that if you are not physically just in some kind of balance, you will perform less. Mm. It comes immediately. Mm. It doesn't mean you cannot enjoy it, but you will perform less if you are not in some kind of uh, okay level with your body. And free diving is, there is no equipment. There, there, there can be no equipment, uh, just your bathing suits mm. and some goggles. 
Mm-hmm. That's the standard. Uh, then you can add uh, fins. You can mm. add a monofin, what is one big like a mermaid yeah. fin. Yeah. And you can add a suit for temperature, of course, if it's cold. Mm. Uh, some kind of things like this. But but for the sport itself, you can swim just like you go for the swimming pool. Yeah. If you want to go deep, uh, you need uh, you need uh, special glasses. For the because of the pressure, because of the pressure, and the, and the, I've seen on some videos, free diving videos, that they have often like a rope, yeah, that it's goes be- down deep. Yeah, if you if you want to focus on going deep, mm. uh, and it is a let's say you are in a, some open ocean mm. where you don't have something you can uh, navigate from, uh-huh, some you rocks don't see or, anything. Yeah. You can actually not see where you are swimming, and you could be swimming in a in a wrong angle. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can get a little bit confused when you go down if you don't follow this rope. So mm-hmm. we actually also have a string attached to this rope. Mm-hmm. So, so you just concentrate on swimming down, and this line will guide you. Mm-hmm. Um, so and then you take you take one breath, and that is what you will have for the entire trip. Mm-hmm. And now you cannot uh, change it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and uh, that means that the pressure uh, coming from the ocean will influence your body mm. um, every time you go 10 meters down mm. the pressure is rising with one bar mm. uh, and we have one bar at the surface so already on on 10 meters mm. you have the same pressure like you put in a normal car tire uh-huh. on your body and okay. on, twen- on 20 meters you have three bars of pressure uh-huh. so very fast your air pockets in your body will get smaller and smaller your uh, the pressure wants to press your intestines, your lungs, smaller and smaller, and they are, of course, protected by the ribs. Yeah. So when you go deep, this is a big part, uh-huh. of course. And and uh, is it like a competitive sport? I mean, are people competing in this? I saw there was this guy here recently yeah. in Czech Republic that swam under ice. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and he was setting some world record. Yeah, yeah. He did. It was broken the next week, but uh, uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> uh, but they discuss a little bit about uh, because it's a new kind of sport, yeah. and there are many uh, like in the boxing world there are many uh, associations, uh, associations and, yeah. and different rules, and they yeah. are st- they are starting to get them aligned to say what is the record. Okay, so there's How, not like in the Olympics some free diving. There, there are some 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 things are now uh, in the same way in all associations, mm-hmm. but this man was swimming under ice. And the the Russian woman who broke it the next week, she was swimming under ice, but was wearing a cap mm-hmm. on her head, which uh-huh. ma- protects her a little bit from the cold, of course. Uh-huh. So the stress level for her, he was says, would, would be different. Uh-huh. But yes, people who do free diving uh, are, for most cases, I cannot uh, generalize, but for most cases, they are competitive. Mm-hmm. It's it's uh, similar to the triathletes. Mm-hmm. Uh, they somehow want to go further, more. Deeper, more, longer mm. time. Mm. That's the focus. And they need to train hard for that. Mm. The triathletes, they immediately say, uh, I want to do an Ironman next year. Yeah. I say, okay, you cannot do that. You need to train one year. Mm. And in that year, I w- we can set you up for a normal Olympic distance, what is 25% of an Ironman. Mm. The normal triathlete distance, mm. you can mm. say. Mm. And then your body, if you can do that, in a normal time, you are now ready to train for the next level. But you cannot do an Ironman after one year. Maybe mm. if you come extremely healthy and you already did something 
Of course, somebody would yeah, have done. Yeah, if you have some foundation yeah, of yeah, something. Maybe, you know. yes. But uh, we had people coming in who could not swim. Mm-hmm. And that you have to swim 3.8 kilometers yeah, yeah. Uh, in ocean. Yeah, yeah. And I read, I read this uh, biography of a woman who was the world champion in, yeah. in triathlons, in Ironmans, like two or three years in a row, a British girl. And uh, she was saying, like, in the beginning of the swim... You know, you get kicked, you get pulled down, yes. and then she, th- a lot of people shit as well because they get diarrhea. They they're so excited, really, yeah. That, and she said, you know, you you have to be the first one yeah. in the water because <laughs> otherwise you're swimming and yeah. other people shit. That's crazy. Oh, well, this I didn't hear. No, because mostly you would have your suit on. Yeah. In Scandinavia, we have suits on yeah. because of temperature. Yeah, so yeah, exactly. uh, that would be a self goal, as we yeah. call it, if you yeah, shit yeah. in your own, own pants. Goal, yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, in 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 free diving, like, is it like What's the what, is there like a, Let's a say human the, body limit to what I, how deep I can go, for uh, example? Um, for sure, for for people who will start training, mm. there is the, the 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 pure capacity of air. A normal person uh, can have uh, you and me. Uh, maybe I could have more. I don't know, but we would have between five and eight liters. I I don't want in to our be, lungs. Yes. Uh-huh. And uh, if you look at some of the world champions who go very, very, very deep, uh, they can they have trained themselves to have 14 liters. Shit. So it's almost double. Uh, and and they are, uh, we, we call it, they are packing the air. They are like gasping the air inside, like packing it, sounding like this. Uh-huh. Taking more and more air in, even you are actually full. Because when you breathe in, at some point you you feel, feel full. Yeah. And they they manipulate more air in by packing the air in the lungs, uh-huh. and this is dangerous if you are not trained. Uh-huh. And it's a long process. You cannot train like this for a week, two, a month. It it will take. Uh, again, I'm no science, so I don't know how long it will take. But it takes long commitments mm. and and uh, train this breathing uh, techniques if you want that level. But my perspective on free diving is totally different. For me, it's pure joy. Uh, I have no uh, standards for how deep I want to try to go. Mm. When I did my free diving two certificate and my trainer diploma, I had to go to thirty meters, mm. and that is that is when you don't know about free diving. Thirty meters sounds like a lot, mm. and it is a lot because mm. you have four bar pressure on you, mm. and it's cold and it's dark, so it is a lot. But People who are trained, they go for 20, 30 meters for spearfishing, for hunting. Mm-hmm. So it, 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 I'm not trying to, to, to brag. It's, it's, it's not that big of a deal to go 30 meters. Mm-hmm. But that is my maximum for now. Mm-hmm. I, and I have no focus to go deeper. But how deep could one go? And in, in, I mean, what's yeah. the deepest deep dive or free uh, dive that... Uh, there, are, there are more disciplines. And I mm-hmm. don't know the exact records. But for example, I know one record was to swim with a fin. Mm. You have a fin on and you take one breath and you swim down and you swim up. You cannot pull the rope. You have uh-huh. to swim. Uh-huh. And at some point, the, the record was uh, ab- around 100, 110 meters. Shit. That's a lot. Uh, then, Whoa. of course, if you have no fins, you swim slower yeah. and you swim in the beginning where you have a lot of air carrying yeah. you up. Yeah. But what happens after 15, 20 meters, mm. your body starts to be under pressure. And the, the, the way your body can lift you, mm. because the air pocket is now getting smaller, mm. 
but your weight is the same. Mm-hmm. So you are starting to free fall. Yeah, yeah. You don't have to swim. You mm-hmm. will fall. So they are not swimming down. They are swimming to 15, 20, 25 meters and they stop swimming and they fall into some trance, you can say. They just fall. Like a person skydiving. They're just mm-hmm. falling. Mm-hmm. And that can that will not stop. They will fall and fall and fall until they stop themselves. Mm-hmm. But now comes the big point. When they turn the body still wants to fall. Mm -hmm. They are still negative. Buoyance, what we call it in diving. You can Mm -hmm. be positive, that means you float. It's the best for a boat, for example. (laughs) Then you can be neutral, it means you stay in the water Mm. at that level. That's why they don't find divers when they drown. They stay in that level because the equipment is settled for neutral. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. they have to, sorry my language, wash onto some beats before they find them. Uh, And you can be negative and then you will fall. Mm -hmm. So when they turn around... In negative. Now comes the big struggle. Now you have to swim up. Mm-hmm. And that takes a lot of energy. Mm-hmm. Because we calculate around one meter per second. That is like a standard. Maybe a little faster. But for safety reasons, we say one second, one meter. Mm-hmm. So if you have to go, for example, to 50 meters, it's 50 seconds down and 50 seconds up. Mm-hmm. So that is one minute, 40 seconds. Mm. Um, and most people who would do it over a night, I can train to do keep their breath for two minutes easily. So it's not the time, but it's the struggle you use swimming up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And of course, uh, or not of course, but when you are a freediver, mm. you have uh, one big, big, big challenge, and that is uh, the, comp- the the reflex of your body. It's called in English the urge to breathe. Mm-hmm. Your body is asking you, please breathe. Mm-hmm. Not that you are missing air, because you have air in your blood. Mm-hmm. That's also why when a freediver blacks out underwater, he's not drowning, mm. because he's locked down from the mammal effect. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will explain it later, but he's not starting to drink the water. He will mm. not drink the water. He's in a locked position, like a baby inside the stomach of the mother. Mm-hmm. Uh, the baby is also not drowning. Yeah. S- yeah. So... so um, but when they start to swim up, mm. they have used some of the air and they have accumulated some uh, waste product, the CO2 in yeah, the blood. Yeah. Yeah? And of course, uh, the pressure. Mm. The pressure you, are, you need for the oxygen to come from your lungs into your blood veins. Mm-hmm. This pressure is dropping. Mm-hmm. And at a certain point, like if we, you and me, we would go out of a helicopter in six, 7,000 meters on Mount Everest, Mm. we would not have the pressure in our body to press the oxygen into our blood and we would faint. Mm -hmm. And the technical degree is like Mm 0.12. It's called like this. And when a professional diver comes from these kind of depths and going back up, they will black out if they come below that. And is that then because they are not able to get rid of the CO2? No. And they poison out or... or it's or because of uh, the, the body is not getting new oxygen. Even yeah. they have it in the blood, they are not getting new oxygen into inside. The, into the... Um, yeah. And they pass out for mm-hmm. safety reasons. The body shuts down to protect them. And, and what happens then? Do they still float up? Uh, that depends on what depth Where they do. Where depth they're yeah, in. Yeah. And it is normally, uh, in 99%, all kinds of blackout is in the surface. Mm-hmm. In, the, in the last 10, 15 meters. And is because that the most common problem? Yeah, it is the uh, biggest problem for people who want to do records. Uh-huh. Because you have to 
go back to the surface, show all the okay signs, mm-hmm. breathe yourself, and you have to be able to move your own glasses. Remember, you are maybe just about to faint. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and uh, you have to show some signals, wait 30 seconds, and then you will be approved. Mm-hmm. And there are so many scenes on the internet where people are cheering and uh, saying, yes, I did it. And this little job they do by raising their hand or cheering. Yeah, it passes them out. It passes them out. Yeah. So, so never this, it's a good rule never to celebrate too early. In this case, uh, you will be disqualified, yeah? yeah. So, But again, it's not my focus to, to do this. I will do all my dives within... Uh, pure joy i always resurface without gasping for air mm. i know my body so well that i can dive and i can swim around and uh, at a certain point i feel something it is the urge to breathe mm. it's i do not control very well still mm. but you can you can learn to disregard it let's mm. say that you could hold your breath for three minutes now mm. suddenly your body will call for you to breathe Mm. The urge to breathe. And you will start getting in your stomach some compulsations. It will yeah. start like you're pumping. And if you cannot do this, and you don't need to do it because you still have oxygen for three more minutes, mm. you have about, you're only using 50% of your capacity. So when somebody is diving, let's say three, four minutes, they have maybe been having these compulsations for the last two minutes calling mm-hmm. for air. Mm-hmm. But they know they have air in the blood. So it's arguing with your own urges somehow. Yes, and this is something I have still not mastered completely. I uh-huh. can master it to a certain degree because I get them very, very late in mm. my dive. Mm. Um, and then I just go slowly up mm. and uh, surface in a quiet fashion. Mm. Yeah. But how how is it like... Um, you s- you mentioned the, these guys that have trained their lung capacity up to like 14 liters. Yeah. Um, like... For for a, a person who want, would want to try this or come, I mean, I know you, you're doing courses. I mean, a person who comes to your course and who is a complete beginner. I mean, how is this? Does it take long for me to build this capacity? I mean, that is the best benefit of free diving. Mm. When you start, you will go. Let's call beginning zero percent. Mm. Just not. It doesn't mean you can't do anything, but let's mm. call it zero percent. You will go extremely far in very short time. Uh huh. Yeah. So you see progress immediately. quickly. Immediately. Just, for example, we do a course that's called Try Freediving. It's one and a half hour. Mm-hmm. And after this, people, hopefully, can go from not being able to dive down because of pain in the ears or something. Uh-huh. Uh, you, need, you know, the pressure is changing, yeah. so you have to equalize your ears. To get like in an airplane, mm. when you feel the pressure, yeah, you yeah. even chew on some chewing gum. Or, yeah, or do you the, blow the nose. You blow the nose. We have the same trick. And you have to do it because mm-hmm. after seven, eight meters, your your eardrum will will burst. Mm-hmm. So you have to do it. You cannot continue if it's painful. Mm-hmm. So just after one one and a half hour, people can actually uh, go to our deep pool. We have an eight meter deep pool where we train, mm-hmm. and they swim eight meters down mm-hmm. and go up. So that is from zero to eight meters, and uh-huh. that's a big, big, big challenge yeah, uh, for I many mean, people. And that's like eight meters out of, let's say, thirty meters. It's, it's yeah, yeah. You, you already covered one like third, yeah. yeah, one yeah. third of the, yeah. of the. And from that moment, from that moment, it gets easier to swim down. So you have already cleared the most difficult part because you are full of air. Mm. Like try to swim down with a football. Yeah. It wants to go up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and your body wants to go up also. So the first eight, ten, twelve meters, they mm. are the most difficult and the mm. most power demanding. After mm-hmm. that, it's so easy to swim. Mm. Yeah. And how do you like? 
So you, I know you you are not into those extremes and and so on, but you 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 prefer to swim horizontally or dive yeah. horizontally, let's yeah. say. What is that feeling, though? I mean, there there must be something there must be something that draws you to this because I yeah. mean, it's not like it's not like running. You cannot just go out of your home and run a circle and feel great or bike or something. You need yeah. to get to an ocean or a pool or a lake. Yeah. It's something is attracting you to this. Uh, yeah, uh, it is. Um, it is the calmness, mm. um, and I will get back to this. Uh, what I said before, it's called the mammal effect. Mm. Mammals, uh, like dolphins, uh, and actually land anim- animals. Who we mm. also have mammals. Mm. We are mammals. Yeah. Whales. We have something called the mammal effect. Mm. When our face comes into water, mm. we have small sensors that says we are in water. And immediately, our body go into the mammal effect. Lower heart rate, mm-hmm. and it can be up till 50% without you doing anything. You will just start relaxed. That's why when you go in a hot pool, you will say, ah, mm-hmm. because it's so nice. But you have to get your face in. It's not enough with the body. You have to have your face in water. So we start manipulating our mammal effect by having our face in the water. Mm-hmm. Uh, you will have uh, all your blood will start going into the vital organs area. That's why you, when you are in the swimming pool, you start freezing on your toes and on your fingers uh-huh. because the blood is leaving... Concentrated to the organs. To the organs. Uh-huh. And because of the pressure, the blood coming back is filling out the, the pocket so you cannot decompress your body under pressure. Mm-hmm. It's a protection mm-hmm. device. Mm-hmm. So this mammal effect is a huge, huge reason why I dive. Mm-hmm. Because you feel so calm you are not in stress because the low uh, the low heart rate mm-hmm. and you just enjoy and of course i i love water i love swimming underwater to watch all kinds of things whether it's uh, girls or fish mm-hmm. <laughs> i don't care mm-hmm. uh, i just love it to be mm-hmm. underwater mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, it is then um, uh, emphasized by the mammal effect mm-hmm. and that is a positive thing and we are actually starting to teach scuba divers to use this mammal effect a little bit more Mm. because many people they just take the mask on before going to the water Mm. so they never get fully activated the mammal effect and they use more oxygen faster from the tank and the Mm. dive comes shorter Mm. so if we can activate it by a scuba diver that his heart rate will go down Mm. he can actually scuba dive longer time Mm. but it's um, but this calmness you know like it it Ah, but it has to be combined with the with the physical part. I, I love this that you have to be in balance because uh-huh. we have a saying: "Don't dive before you're ready." Mm-hmm. If somebody screams, "Oh, look, there's a fish," and you're not ready, then you don't dive. Mm-hmm. That's it. You mm. dive when you're ready because it is. It can be challenging to dive down to uh, eight, ten, twelve meters and try to find a fish or an octopus somewhere. Yeah. You're easily using one minute very fast. And you have to swim down, swim around, and you use energy. And if you have done it 20, 30 times in the ocean, mm. you're getting tired and hyperventilated. Mm. So so you don't dive before you're ready. Mm-hmm. So again, the system, like in the pilot, the checklist, mm. checklist. You, you prepare. And you told me that, actually. You told me yeah. that when we, we, we chatted before, you told me that before, let's say you, you have your head above the, the surface of the water, 
Yep. You, you have a routine in your mind that yeah. you do. When we, when we free dive and when we do, uh, let's say we do it on the line, mm. say the, the line hanging down, oh. uh, we, we wait. If it's my turn, the other guys will wait. Mm. And nobody say, ah, come on, Lars. No, never. Mm -hmm. We wait. People have to be in that rhythm, finding the, the correct uh, last breath because there can be waves distracting you. There can be uh, gobbles, there can be jet skis, motorboats. Mm. Uh, you have to make sure that you are not getting hurt of, of all, uh, that they have seen you, that mm. you are in the water. So mm. there are many stress factors sometimes. Mm. So this concentration, this preparing yourself for the, uh, we call it the, the, the breathe up, mm. breathe up for the last dive. I like that also, the mm -hmm. prepare for this. Mm. Then you say, now I have completely emptied my lungs. I breathe everything out and I do some gymnastic with my stomach to mm. empty everything what I have mm. from old air with CO2 inside. Mm. I will then breathe as much as I can, mm. new air. And at that point, I, I dive. Mm -hmm. and, um, and then you have made sure that everything in your surroundings yes. is safe for you to yes. come. Because you're also thinking about when you're coming back up, right? Yeah, that is not my job. That is my dive uh -huh. buddy. Okay. Uh, I should just relax because we never dive alone. Uh -huh. uh, or the more fun way to say it, always dive with somebody. Yeah. Those are the rules. You, you are never alone. Mm -hmm. Of course, you can go snorkeling maybe, but it's not safe to swim or dive or scuba dive alone. You always have your dive body. Mm. And uh, all systems, all certifications, they have the rule of dive body. Mm -hmm. That's we, we don't go away from this. So going up is not your concern. Mm. Your dive body, you are not even looking up when you swim up. Mm. If you go on the line, uh, you're just looking at the line because you are in a better position with your body. If you if you start looking up, you swim like a banana. Yeah. You get round yeah, yeah, in your back. Exactly. Your, your uh, direction will... It will change. Yeah. So you're just looking at the line when you swim down, and you're looking at the line when you swim up. And you trust that your dive body have uh, moved away other divers uh, and checked everything. What about like marine life? Like you know, let's say that you're you're free diving in the ocean. You're not you're not scared of you know sharks or something. I mean, is there is there no is there no f is it a fearless environment somehow when you're under the surface? Because I think for a lot of people, I mean, there are people that don't even want to go to swimming pools yeah. because they are scared of sharks. Yeah, yeah. Uh, sharks right. don't live there, but no, uh, it's a create this effect of something yeah. coming from underneath. Yeah. Uh, I have this, and I do not have a big ocean experience mm. I, I have di been diving in uh, many many pools many mm. uh, you can say of our kinds of oceans so mm. there are no they're just darkness or coldness yeah. which is my biggest fear yeah uh, or going into something mm. if i go into a wreck a sunken boat or something uh, on one breath uh, i want to be sure that i know how to get out yeah uh, so uh, there's a lot of preparation before you dive into something mm. um uh I understand these fears. I have some of them myself. I'm mm. not fascinated by swimming uh, with... Uh, I would like to try it any, even though, but it's not my fascination to swim with big sharks or big yeah. whales. Mm. I would get a little bit shocked also, I think. Mm. I swam with uh, dolphins, actually. I did yeah. with dolphins I, in New too. Zealand. It, it was great. That was nice. Yeah. I yeah. did it also. Uh, yeah. uh, and a beluga I swam with. Uh-huh. Uh, the white one. Yeah. 
it was in a in, in some pool area we we rented it uh-huh. uh, but uh, actually the biggest shock is what you don't see even it's a huge fish because you have the goggles on and you have a, a certain view mm. that is yours Mm. And then suddenly you have this big fish passing you. Mm. It's not aggressive. It's just swimming. Yeah, yeah. That is. Yeah, the, you're that you're visiting his home. You know. Yeah, yeah. So that is actually for me the biggest shock. But then we are really speaking scuba divers. They have the time for this. Yeah, yeah. We are more or less swimming. focusing on down and up. Yeah, down and up. And uh, of course, when I go for tourism place, I do a little snorkeling, mm. and then I do some free diving if if I'm not alone. Then mm. we I would go down to anything from five till. 15 meters, mm. that is my uh, best area, because mm. you have all the sunlight, you can see everything. Yeah, yeah, it's still visibility. Yeah, and it's still hot, uh-huh. uh, because there will come some thermal layer and it starts getting colder. Uh-huh. Uh, so the enjoyment is just biggest, and you can still hear the waves, you can see the, the foam on the waves, and it's it's so it's so nice to swim mm. in these 5 to 15 meters. Mm. And they are not the biggest shocks to get, mm. uh, I think. No. <laughs> um, so if... if you you told me that before we started recording, I was offering you coffee, and you told me that it's not good for for diving. Actually, that, oh, that we, coffee, mm, anything what uh, what what would make your heartbeat rise, and coffee does that. Uh-huh. Uh You should avoid uh, some hours before at least. Uh-huh. So all my students and myself, we will always uh, not be drinking a lot of coffee before training, mm-hmm. some hours before, and uh, we are trying to teach also scuba divers. That this alcohol in the evening, alcohol mm. uh, uh, will will rise your 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 blood pressure also. Mm. So you, they can dive shorter time. Yeah, you, on the oxygen. Yeah. 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 So um, mm. yeah, and uh, and of course, uh, it's a very good question about this uh, because what will you do if you actually see a big fish mm. or a shark, mm. even a friendly shark, of course, mm. because we never hear about shark shark attacks, but it's in our mind. Mm. Will you then scream and blow out all your air when you're yeah. a free diver? Uh, so that is another saying say what you do mm. and do what you say mm. Mm. so if you say for your body I'm going now to 20 maybe 25 meters mm. I will then oh I'm sorry <laughs> I will then make a I will then make a stop mm. and I will stand on the line and enjoy the view or anything up till 20 seconds, mm. 30 seconds, whatever you are, uh, mm. you say this. You cannot change that plan then? No, you can do less. Mm-hmm. Never more. You are the decider of what happens, mm-hmm. but you, you don't, ah, I'm swimming so easily down, so I will go to 40. Mm-hmm. Because your safety diver, mm-hmm. he's prepared for you to go to that depth, what you told him. Mm. And he will count the seconds and say, okay, he will be there, he will be there, now he's turning, Okay, now is the time for me to swim down. If he blackouts, mm. I should carry him up. Mm. Then it, he cannot come down and say, where is he? <laughs> ah, he went further. Yeah. And then he has to wait. Yeah. And he will get tired. And then you have nobody to save you. Yeah. So when you are preparing your dive, you say, what will I do if I see this big fish I know live here in the area? Yeah. I, will, I will be scared, but I will keep my breath. Yeah. You can prepare yourself. Yeah, and that's yeah. what I mean when I say... The skills of freediving I use in my personal life. Mm. Uh, for example, if you have to tell your wife you want a divorce, mm. <laughs> what mm. I tried, mm. you you you, pr- you have to prepare mm. how to do this. Mm. You have to you have to prepare uh, in your mind 
how what, it's going to play out and what's yeah, going to happen. What, and what if this happened? What if this happened? Mm. Uh, prepare yourself. Mm. Uh, and still, uh, I, tr- I try to never lose my mind. So still keep sane even what happens. Mm. And that is, of course, very important if you see something uh, shadow in the de- depth when you're at 20 meters and you're almost out of air. Mm. You cannot panic. Just turn around, swim up. But that's very much, Lars, it's interesting now what you just said this, because, I mean, you're, I see like a, a how do you say, a commonality here. You know, you like the the military part for, because there it's when airplanes and pilot, and, and because that's very much about systems, protocol, yeah. and actually being able to perform in some way in extreme conditions it or could, abnormal could, conditions. Abnormal, yeah. yeah, good word, yeah. And that then then you still have to remain calm and you have to trust on the system that you yeah. know. Yeah. And so and then you you go to the carpets. Yeah. The boring <laughs> carpets, but you actually find the passion in the systems. Yeah. I you do. you go and send gloves to Angola. Yeah. And you find the pleasure in the systems to yeah. solve a critical situation, yeah. and now you're talking about diving. Yeah. Okay, I I say as I do when I do as I say, yeah. and I follow. You know, you follow certain rules, yeah. and then you bring that into your personal life as well, yeah. because yeah. you know, like, yeah, now I need to sort out something in my my marriage, yeah. and yeah. Where do you think this comes from? This passion for. Um, I don't. I I don't like when people are shouting. Mm. and arguing mm. uh, I know they could have uh, if it's a couple they could have great makeup sex I've heard yeah. but but I really I cannot shout and scream to get my uh, fears out or my frustrations out mm. so I rather have them out in, in my preparations mm-hmm. somehow mm-hmm. if it makes sense mm. um, it so com- you, 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 you believe that by controlling or having yeah. that control you avoid yeah. Uh, I, I will answer you honestly. I think it's the best. Uh, yeah, but, oh, my, my dad was very temperamental. Uh-huh. Uh, never, never physically. I had the best childhood. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he was very temperamental. If something went wrong, mm-hmm. he would shout very loud for mm-hmm. eight seconds and he would be down again. Yeah. And he would have forgotten it. Yeah, but the people around did not forget it. Yeah, and then at a certain point, uh, when you're a small child and you get used to this, yeah. uh, when you then become a teenager and mm-hmm. older you and bring a young man... You. It's enough. Mm. It's just enough. I cannot have it anymore. Mm. So uh, if my wife would do that, mm. I shut off all channels and I don't remember what she told me <laughs> I, I, uh, because I am damaged from this. Yeah. My concentration goes away. Uh-huh. And I had problems with Angola because the, the Angola manager, he would be so angry if we made some mistake or something happened with his shipment because he's waiting six, seven weeks for his things. Mm. And if they are then delayed and he mm. cannot do a job, he would shout and shout in the telephone. Mm. And we actually, I got him to write me an email that he accepts that every, anything he says in this outburst, he cannot use against me. Because mm. I say, I cannot listen to it. Mm-hmm. I, I cannot concentrate. I will help you. But if you shout, I'm off. Mm-hmm. Mentally, I'm off. I cannot remember what we talk about. So That's, that's, a, that's a quality. Uh, I don't know. But uh, that is the, the, the honest answer to your question. But it's interesting because then it... it it's it's a co- you you have developed a coping mechanism by yeah. by making sure that things work. Yeah, yeah, that's you can brilliant. say that. That's brilliant. And that's a, that's if you go snorkeling somewhere mm. and you are one hour in the water, 
I would be in that one one hour I could be down maybe 20 times mm. including the minute down mm. coming up so that's just 20 minutes underwater mm-hmm. and there's just 40 minutes left to recover mm. get your breath because you are now happy ventilating and you are accumulating CO2 in your blood mm. so the urge to breathe come faster mm-hmm. and that is the, when the concentration and my fascination starts Pressing this because Pushing from this limit, triathlon, yeah, yeah. swimming yeah. with the students, yeah. I had the same effect, but I had to swim with the student. Mm-hmm. So I, I knew that when I came up, I would tell him some specifics and then I would start doing my recovery, mm. <sighs> get myself in control. Mm. <coughs> Sorry. Uh, but how, just out of curiosity, I mean, how you, you still had a good relationship with your father? Uh, after, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Was, yeah, amazing relationship. Yeah. But this one point yeah. uh, changed this side of me. I do not want to argue and shout with people. Yeah. So you find ways yeah. that work yeah. that don't require shouting. Yeah, and, and when, when I was a manager and I had to fire people, for example, mm. and now I know that I use the same technique. I didn't call it freediving technique at that time, but it is actually the same. Mm. Who is this person? Mm. How will he or she react to my decision? Mm-hmm. Um, can I offer anything? Well, you know, I analyze this situation before it happens. Mm-hmm. And uh, what? Ah, then I will not do it Monday. No, because then we do this and, oh, Friday I will tell him. Mm-hmm. So I make a plan. I say what I do. Yeah. And I did what I said. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a good way. Yeah. That's Lars. Yeah, this is really interesting. I mean, I, I, I um, yeah, I knew, I knew when I found you that uh, there could be some something here. But uh, it's such an um, interesting line somehow that you have followed. Yeah, and it's somehow it's all connected in 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 some beautiful way. You know, now it's just escalating because now I'm getting uh, to 48 like yeah, you, and yeah. uh, I I want. Uh, maybe still to have more children. I have just five plus two bonus. <laughs> Only seven, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and I cannot run around like uh, being sixty and not being able to move. Uh-huh. So I'm, I have skipped alcohol two years ago, mm. and I'm eating much, much more healthy. So you're you're forty eight and you still want to have more kids. Yes. That sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> That's a, you're a man on a mission. Um, mm. So if people wanna. Know more, you know, wh- wh- where can they find you? Where can, What can they follow if uh, they're interested in your, your yeah. freediving lessons? And uh, I will do uh, freediving wh- where the people want it to be done. Yeah, uh, It takes uh, some uh, planning, mm. uh, but if they want to just uh, try it, for mm. example, the best way is to come here to Prague. Mm. Uh, they can contact me on my webpage. Mm. Uh, it's... Uh, it's called love living mm. like Denmark or yeah. .cz like Czech Republic. Yeah. Love living They can find my contact details at that page, mm. uh, and we will arrange if they want to have a session in a pool. Mm. We can uh, we can arrange an eight meter deep pool here in Czech Republic. Mm. It is our training facility. Mm. We can go to uh, to a lake. Mm. If they want something funny, we can go swim in a river mm-hmm. against the currents. Mm-hmm. Or we can fly to Malta uh, uh, and do a schooling if you want a certificate for level one, for example. Uh-huh. Uh, but it takes planning and everything is possible. Mm. We have it all in our uh, system. I work with a big uh, diving shop here in Prague. Mm-hmm. They do all the certificates, all the paperwork, and they have all the facilities. We even mm-hmm. have a, a big, big, big boat for 12 people in, the, I think, the Canarian Islands uh-huh. that can be rented if something. 
So with planning, uh, I would do these adventures with joy with other people. Okay. But so it's loveliving.cz and loveliving.dk. Yeah, they, it's the same page. Any any social media or any you have Instagram or Facebook page uh, uh, or anything for th- this? The same name for for on Facebook. Yeah, Love uh, Living. Love Living, yeah. And where is that name coming from, Love Living? It's coming from um, uh, from my change in life. Yeah. Uh, that I realized that I want more uh, love and I want more uh, life. And li- I living, find my yeah. yeah, and also the not extreme part of free diving. Yeah. I don't want to die because I free dive. Yeah. So I love living. Uh, yeah. And um, my new partner, since now two more than two years, uh, she's showing me all the way in the emotional and in, in the, in the, in the love and the, uh, and all this. And it's a total new specter of my life. And I want okay. to follow this. That's great. So that created this web page. Uh, yeah. So. Uh, you've had many chapters in your life and now you're obviously in an exciting one. Now I'm in an um, in, in exciting one and we mm. want to... Uh, we want to create in a few years uh, some place where we can do diving, yoga, mm. mental training, mm. breathing training, because I do a lot of breathing, mm-hmm. like techniques, and um, uh, you can say breathing gymnastics almost. Mm. Um, and uh, it is extremely healthy. Yeah. Extremely healthy. Sounds good. Yeah, because breathing changes the, the, the what is it called? The, the, the chemical mm. context of your blood. Mm-hmm. If you breathe correctly, mm-hmm. you can change it, and you can uh, you can kill viruses. Yeah, heal your body, and yeah. Mm-hmm. But mostly, you can actually kill viruses. If mm-hmm. you have a flu, for example, and you do certain uh, breathing techniques, uh, in a few minutes, your nose will be clear. For example, mm-hmm. from being blocked, you can open it in a few seconds. Because I guess you're filling your blood with healthy oxygen and and cleaning out. Uh, it is when you uh, we are actually it's a method where you are actually not breathing. Uh-huh. You are breathing everything out what you have uh-huh. take everything out and then you hold <laughs> to say your breath you don't have a breath but you hold it there uh-huh. and immediately will call this uh, effect urge to breathe because you have no air mm. but you keep it mm-hmm. and that will create a sort of a vacuum in you and that releases another pH level in your blood Okay, it's we changing. are into yeah, we're into yeah. super yeah, detailed. Yeah. Now it's detailed. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. But that that this sounds good, yeah. Lars, and, and um, very happy that I had you, guys. Uh, yeah. Those of you listening, uh, the show has a Facebook page called The Bunker. How the hell did we end up here? And there's an Instagram profile called The Bunker Prague. Uh, yeah, and uh, thanks to the sponsors. Thanks for listening. Uh, follow the show. Feel free to review it on Apple Podcasts, which is. Very good. And yeah, hello to all my new... Uh, apparently, I'm, I'm reaching out to a new crowd in Canada and the US. Um, oh. And uh, and also shout out to my friends in Pakistan that are listening. Uh, I, see, I see you on my list of, of, of uh, countries. So, uh, Lars, have a nice evening. You too. And thank, thank you for thank having me. Thank you for me. coming here. Yeah. Okay. Bye. Bye.